Sorry, give I, me like two seconds of silence. Room down there give me two seconds of silence. <laughs> Civility is a forgotten word. Yeah, yeah. Forgot how to live with others, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not joking. It has changed my ability of conversation. Welcome to For another episode of Classical, etc. I'm seated with Mitchell. He, he, he locked in a box. John Christensen. <laughs> we'll change the Mitchell, way stop. Welcome to Classical, etc. You're in the studio with Shane Saxon. Welcome to another episode of Classical, etc. I'm seated with Mitchell. John Christensen, Tom Sculthorpe. And on today's episode, we are going to be giving a little teaser for Sadalitas sessions that each of you gentlemen are presenting. And actually, Mitchell and I are presenting ours together, which could be high comedy. Yeah. No, it'll it'll actually basically be an episode of the, we're going to have like a full crew there. It's basically no. going to be a podcast. Episode. It'll, it'll be really helpful, enriching content. I really well, like was the, the uh, podcast episode we're going to film <laughs> at that session. But before we get there, I want to ask you, Tom, what have you been reading recently? Uh, I'm, uh, right now I'm reading Crime and Punishment. Oh, yep. Um, First time? Part two. Yes, that's right. Yep. Now, Tom, First are time. you a fan of Radia? Do you identify with him in any way? <laughs> uh, actually, I do identify with him, wow. but okay. I'm not a fan of him okay. in the same way I might say I'm not a fan of that side of myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well said. I was talking to Mitchell in the office about this the other day, just how um, some of the ways that Dostoevsky describes what's going on in him before he commits the crime. Um, I, I've, I've had experiences like that in my own life mm. uh, and, and that's both fascinating and frightening. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it very much. Where are you at in the book? I'm in book two. He just, um, he, he was just sick and had the visit from oh, yeah. um, his college friend and then the uh, suitor for his sister. Yeah. I yeah. can't remember their names exactly. So I don't want to try to butcher them. <laughs> I think that you are going to love the end of that book and I look forward to talking to okay. you about it when we, when you get to the end. I agree. I think the, the, yeah, I feel like there's no better story for you to read. I feel like it's going to just like really destroy you. You're going to cry for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't actually know if Tom's ever cried or will, but <laughs> I agree with what you're saying. John, what have you been reading recently? Um, I've read my first big book of planets about a hundred times. Yeah. Because my three-year-old has a, he's oh, in a phase. Yeah. Um, that and inside the space station, he's got a, okay. he's got a space thing space going thing. on right now. Awesome. And that has mostly eclipsed any possibility of my getting any personal <laughs> reading in. Yeah. He's a very good child. He's very good with quiet time. But if I'm having quiet time, then it becomes it becomes playtime, right? right? Um I have tried, we just came back from a trip uh, and I tried uh continuing um Herman Hesse's uh, Glass Bead game, Magister Ludi, which is kind of his one of his B-list books. You don't hear about it as much as like Siddhartha and so forth interesting little sci-fi story, essentially. Um, I began reading it with my wife a few years ago and she didn't like it. So we stopped reading it, but I liked it. So I wanted to read it again, yeah. but man, again, kid came with us and inside the space station came with us too. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I understand Mitchell, what are, what have you been reading recently? And if you say Winnie the Pooh again, um, I will kick you off the podcast forever. <laughs> I mean, I sympathize now for, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Shane, uh, you got to cherish these moments. I just I mean, it's been a year where Mitch is like, every time I ask Mitch the question, that's because I read it in English and now I'm reading it in Greek. So I am reading Winnie the Pooh, but it's in Greek. So I don't know if that gives me like, it's classical. Yeah. It's classical. <laughs> it's you know, there's, there's novels you read every year in the Greek, <laughs> the Greek version of Winnie the Pooh is just my every year, every year novel or it's been a year novel. 
Uh, I am reading to, I'm still trying to finish these two novels by Graham Greene so that Paul and I can have a fun talk about it because nice. uh, he's a huge Graham Greene fan. And then I've taken uh, Fear and Trembling off the shelf and I've put it, oh, I've, yeah. I've put it by my bed nice. so that nice. you and I can come back to that at some yeah. point. Talk about the nature of faith. Yeah. I'm really, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, I've, I've read it once before. It's been a while and I know that you've recently read it. And so I'm hopeful to, to go look at the highlights and to be able to bicker about it. That'd be great. Yeah. It's awesome. I am. Shane, what are you reading? Well, thanks for asking. I'm nearing the end of my annual reread of the Iliad mm. and I'm in like book 21. I want to say, if you say that you've read the Iliad, <laughs> you're still reading the Iliad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and every time I read it and John, I know that you're the like target audience for this reflection. I, other things just come out about its brilliance and it, its uniquenesses. Every time there's something different about it that strikes me. Um, and this time, I think what has really been most profound is the way that in book nine, things begin to shift, which is interesting because that's the same book that in the Odyssey, he begins retelling his right. his stories. But it's in uh, book nine that you begin, you come back to Achilles and and he is really standing his ground, but you're seeing some of his internal dialogue about why he's not going to go back out um, to fight. And this precedes, you know, Patroclus going out to fight. Um, and I just found that really, it, it's interesting how it mirrors it and that I think the structure of both in some ways is similar in that way, at least. Um, and I find that interesting. So let's turn to our topic. Um, in a couple of weeks, we are going to have a, a conference here on campus at Highlands Latin School and Memorial Press. Um, and the first two days of that conference are a conference called Sedalitas and it's for homeschool families to come and to hear enriching topics about Memorial Press curriculum and other things that help them to homeschool classically. And each of us are participating in the sessions. And though, so I thought it would be a good idea if we talked a little bit about what we were going to present on um, and then just tease out the subjects. We are not going to do our whole sessions um, right now, but maybe whet my appetite a little bit, Tom and John and Mitch for your sessions and what you guys are going to be talking about and why people who are listening to this should consider coming out this summer. So Tom, let's start with you. What are you talking about this summer? Uh, thanks Shane. Uh, yeah, I have, um, I'm doing two sessions, uh, that I think will be of interest to Sadalitas attendees. Um, the first one is, uh, basically an overview of our philosophy of mathematics here at, um, Memoria Press, how we incorporate that philosophy at Highlands Latin School and how, um, how we can, uh, be successful doing, uh, likewise in the home. Um, it seems like, the transition from arithmetic to algebra and beyond is perennially challenging for homeschool parents and understandably so because the uh, processes and computations get tremendously more complex. Could you just stop and tell me, yes. kind of spell out what is, what is that transition in maybe explain it to me like I'm a fifth grader. What sure. is the difference between the arithmetic and algebra? Arithmetic is factually based um, and the operations are generally pretty simple. Add, subtract, multiply, divide. Um, when we, when you step into the world of pre-algebra, which is typically a seventh or eighth grade level course, uh, we're moving from, um, factual regurgitation to, uh, logical reasoning. So how can I, um, determine the value of this unknown quantity in this expression or equation? Um, and it's a big, it's a big jump in reasoning for students, a uh, big change. And, um, I just finished up teaching a, an algebra one class here for the, for our cottage school this year. And, um, it was a joy to see the students 
come in from from that pre-algebra introduction, and now they're they're fully formed algebraically thinking students. And um, and so it is doable. I had them one day a week. It is doable. Um, and so uh, what I, what I'm going to try to do in that first session is help parents to um, understand what resources can help you to be successful and um, how to think about the transition, how to, um, how to help your student make it without frustration and without coming to the conclusion that I'm no good at math. Mm. And then uh, the second session is actually on Wednesday. Um, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but Sadalitas attendees can. A lot of Sadalitas yeah. attendees will stay for Wednesday, which we typically would call our pre-conference right. sessions. And so that's on the registration for Sadalitas. You can choose to stay for pre-conference, and right. that's what you're talking about here. That's right. Um, so I'll be I'll be doing a half day uh, session on algebra, and we'll be introducing uh, the. Uh, our Memoria Press algebra curriculum that we are in the process of producing right now. We're, we're editing it and proofing it. Um, so I'll basically be teaching through our scope and sequence and explaining uh, why we set it up the way we did and, uh, and giving a lot of classroom or homeschool room uh, instructional tips and, and how to present this in a way that makes sense, how to bring students along how to be successful doing that. So John and, and Mitch, feel free to jump in here if you have questions about Tom's session, but immediately it strikes me that you're going to be talking about kind of the philosophy of math. Um, do homeschool parents need a philosophy of math? I mean, there's so many different areas to cover. What do you, what is kind of the, the heart behind giving this particular session? Yeah. Well, we want uh, homeschool families to think about math like we do. And, um, uh, that entails, I would say, two main things. One is that uh, we want to um, pursue mastery with our students, not just um, uh, an introduction or a, uh, a, a, a toe dip in a, in a lot of different um, skills or areas. Um, and so we, we want to pursue mastery with students, and then we want um, to bring them to a point where they understand calculus. And I, I know that... Um, Students don't like to hear that. Um, a lot of parents don't want to hear that. <laughs> uh, but but I'm here to tell you that it's doable um, if if you if you start well and um, and and bring them along well. Uh, there's no reason why your student can't graduate uh, with an understanding of calculus. And and if if you're thinking, well, why is that important? Um, I would say it's because uh, calculus is not just a mathematical discipline. It was actually you know the the culmination of a trajectory in Western philosophy um, having to do with how can we describe the change that we see going on in our world every day. Um, and, and Newton uh, gave us the tools to do that. And I think, I think it's a shame to, uh, to graduate a student in a classically oriented curriculum or, or homeschool or, or whatever without, um, without learning at least the, the basic con conceptual um, ideas of, the limit and its application and derivative and integral. Yeah. It strikes me that is there anywhere else someone could get this kind of, I mean, I, are people articulating math philosophies out there? It seems like you see a lot of like exercises and workbooks and approaches and textbooks, but have you found other places people articulating and actually like K to 12 math philosophy? Um, I would say that I actually told a, uh, a school rep this recently um, the most important thing when it comes to teaching math at home, since we're talking Sodalitas, is consistency with the drilling in arithmetic. 
And then um, as you're, as you're moving into the, the more complex disciplines, it's consistency and repetition with the operations and the, the um, thinking patterns or paths that we're trying to teach you. Um, consistency and diligence in those things, which I know is a challenge for homeschool families because I am one. Uh, <clears throat> but um, it, what it comes down to is, um, you know, are we going, or are, are we going to do this right? And, and so, yeah, I think that um, philosophies are a dime a dozen. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not sitting here saying that the way we think about math here is novel. It's not, or is uh, super special. It's probably not. Um, it's a matter of, um, can you apply it well in your, in, in whatever setting you're in, whether it's at home in a cottage school, um, or in a, in a full-time school like Highlands Latin. Thought this was snake oil. I thought yeah. we just sort of like bought the book and kind of rubbed it on us. <laughs> Absolutely not. Math. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, I'll still probably come to your session. <laughs> John, we just gave all of the numbers people out there, all the, you know, uh, people who like math, uh, a good solid 15 minutes. Uh, take us through the other part of the brain. What, what's your session going to be about? All right. Well, um, I'll use your reference to the place of math in the history of Western philosophy to say that I'll be talking about Western philosophy. Um, I have two talks as well. One, um, I'll be giving a, a course on uh, upper school Latin. I'll be, uh, it'll be a, a shared presentation. I'll be doing it with uh with uh, Susan Strickland, and we'll be talking about basically how to how to switch gears after years and years and years of a grammar course to suddenly, oh, we're doing translation now. Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. goes from this highly structured, highly scaffolded process to a much more lateral, much more kind of exploratory process. And that's on the Thursday, I believe, of the teacher training conference. So the end of the week, we have a two-day conference, Thursday, Friday, and that's where you're going to be giving the upper school Latin, and yeah, we're looking forward to that. I believe you. I don't remember the schedule very well. <laughs> in any case, reading my emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any case, um, so there's that. But probably the the showstopper, the real, the one that <laughs> you know people are paying the t paying price of admission for is uh, Western philosophy in a nutshell. Um, this was actually a recommended topic. Uh, this was recommended to us in the forum uh, by someone who said, "Hey." You know, we watch the podcast and we interact with the books that our kids are using and hear these names and these concepts dropped as if we're expected to know them, right? As it, you know, as if, oh, if I'm reading Dante, then I need to know something about Aristotle. Of course we know something about Aristotle, right. but we don't necessarily. So how can we, you know, can we have a primer on just the learning the ropes, the bare, the bare bones of what makes Western philosophy tick? And so that'll be me. I'll be walking through... Um, Classical philosophy, obviously, the you know pre-Socratics with your with your um, uh, 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 Epicureans and your Stoics. You have Plato himself, and then I want to talk a little bit about how that branches not just into proper um, proper academic philosophy, Aristotelian philosophy, but how that also turns into like Neoplatonism, where it starts getting a lot more theological and mystical, and eventually just plain strange. Um, I want to talk about how. That version of Aristotelianism after the fall of of the Roman West is picked up in um, in the East, right? A little bit about uh, the Arabic philosophers and the Islamic Golden Age, and how that's picked up again by folks like Thomas Aquinas, right? And the real development of kind of hard scholasticism, and then the um, and then the early humanists like Hobbes, Locke, and 
if we have time for Kant, hopefully. If we have time for Kierkegaard, I know that'll make uh, that'll make uh, Martin happy. Uh, yeah. Is this session going to be 40 hours long? No, and I am <laughs> permitting the brevity of the course to uh, to dictate the specificity of the course because, of course, any one of those writers is someone that deserves a great deal of time, right? right. But not only is any given one of their, those people's corpuses or corpora, um, um, more or less appropriate to a student's needs in a classical Christian education. Uh, But also just my specialty definitely skews to the earlier and not to the later, right? I have a lot to say about Plato. I have a lot to say about Aristotle and Cicero, right? But, you know, the... A, I was saying right before, like Duns Scotus is yeah. not someone I really spend a lot of time thinking about. Sure. Right. And for that matter, people like them, especially like in the scholastic period, even though they deal with metaphysics and logic and so forth, and broke it. Yeah. their corpus is so predominantly theological, mm. right, that that might extend beyond the purview of the course. Right. There will be theology necessarily. Right. Because, right, right, right. you know, just philosophy is cosmic in nature right um there's there there's going to be some degree of teleological discussion when you're dealing with you know Averroes or uh, avicenna right um because you know the question of whether the universe has a beginning or doesn't have a beginning is both a logical one and one that has strong you know kind of consequences for what god is right, right. um but so i can imagine a homeschool mom hearing this pitch and thinking that's going to be so far over my head. I couldn't imagine sitting through that session. Talk, talk him into it. Yeah. So that's the point is that, I, you know, if I just talk about these disconnected ideas as a disconnected ideas, kind of, well, that, you know, that's not useful, right? So I really want to, A, talk about it in a scaffolded manner, right? Kind of go from start to finish because someone like... Avicenna is an Aristotelian, right? He's only coming up with the ideas he's coming up with because he read his Aristotle. And so what's Aristotle talking about? Well, you kind of know Aristotle if you know your Plato, right? So kind of giving people the breadcrumbs to know how each one kind of steps you into the next philosopher, but also trying to make it as related to the texts they'll actually be reading as possible, Mm. right? Like, frankly speaking, Kierkegaard is not largely germane to what we'll be talking about in our classrooms, right? And so he will be, he will be nodded to, right? But not necessarily given the kind of fullness that you get in a proper, you know, a proper Kierkegaard class, because again, how does that relate to your reading of Dante? Maybe by analogy, but not, you know, not literally, not in a textual basis, obviously not for time travel purposes. (laughs) Um, So I want to give them kind of the vocabulary to understand like, oh, if, Dante, or if, um, you know, if um, Virgil uses this phrase, right, then I can say, oh, I recognize that phrase. I recognize that idea from the analogy of the cave, right, in Plato's Republic, right? Which, again, it's, if I just say the analogy of the cave, that seems like this arcane, esoteric thing. But it's just a thought experiment that Plato presented, and I'll present it to you, and suddenly you'll say, oh, this thing is just a key for thinking about the universe in a certain way that Plato provided for us. Right. Um, John, I wanted to ask you, as you were thinking about kind of writing the session or or thinking about what you're going to present, I I recently opened up Coppleston 
which is the okay. intro to philosophy that we use for our metaphysics course. And in his intro, he talks about trying to be objective as he presents the history of philosophy. But he says, you necessarily have to choose to talk about some things and not other things, right? You have a limited amount of time. Right. Um, and his, you know, talking about trying to be objective shows his hand about his philosophical assumptions in and of itself. But aside from that, you have to choose some things to talk about and not other things, even if you're just restricting it to Plato, Aristotle. What are some of the organizing principles for you in terms of what are helpful for a homeschool mom or dad right. who's educating that they should know about Western philosophy? First of all, uh, whether they talk to each other or not, right? Again, if we kind of take out this kind of far left turn into the the idea of a world mind that appears in Neoplatonism, right? That's basically begins to cease being classically contiguous and is not something that's going to show up in their literature, right? And in the talking of other of other philosophers. So kind of trimming even the works that we are dealing with to the most germane things. And by germane, I mean related to, again, the classical works and the English works of literature that they'll be dealing with in a Highlands classroom, right? But also kind of necessarily giving them... <sighs> Preferring or having a bias towards, this sounds bad, but kind of the the pop philosophy side of it in a way, like the 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 things that not only you ought to know as a parent or a student going into a book that might refer to Plato or Aristotle, but knowing what the world generally knows about Plato and Aristotle, right? Because again, the average random human being out there has probably not read the um, read the symposium necessarily, but they've probably heard about the Republic, right? Yeah. They've probably heard, they at least know the phrase Plato's Republic. And, you know, even if one isn't fully comprehensive of what the start to finish argument is of the Republic, because it's complex, right? Knowing kind of the high points so that you say, what's the Republic about? You can summarize it in a very succinct way or talk about things that characterize it even if you don't have the wholeness of it in your head, that's kind of my focus. What kind of tokens or what parts of these works are don't just allow us to do dialogue with our books, but also with the world. Yeah. Hmm. So Mitch, let's come back around to you. You and I are going to be presenting. I got two. I think we're doing one together and I'm doing one on Wednesday. Oh, what are you, Oh, well you're doing Greek on Wednesday, right? Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you read his emails. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, you told me to do Greek on Wednesday. Right, and so that's for pre-conference. Right, right. For right. Sadalatos, tell us about our, our session. Yeah, so I, I as I understand it from your emails um, <laughs> that I've read and, you know, keep track of. Cherish. Um, cherish, yeah. <laughs> is that um, we're sort of two sides of a coin, and that coin is labeled uh, like how we can support homeschooling families. And right. So, um, so I, this on my side of the coin, I'm talking about as the principal of the online academy, as Memory Academy, um, how can we, what does it look like to partner with us um, as an online school and you as a, as a homeschooling family? Um, and we have a number of things that, that I think would be helpful to a lot of families who are committed to classical education, who, but, but just need help making that a reality, maybe need access to a, uh, a master teacher maybe need, uh, you know, maybe they feel like they can't teach Latin or maybe they feel like they can't teach science or maybe, 
you know, calculus is just a step too far, you know, um, then, you know, we've got a, a great group of teachers. Uh, we've been doing online education for, you know, 16 years now. So mm-hmm. we have a good, a good way of, of, uh, of doing it. Um, and I always, and my goal is to sort of, is, is to tell these families that, um, the best way to picture Memorial Academy is as a partnership between us as a school, uh, me as an administrator and you as, as a family. Um, you know, so we have a sort of cottage school model where the, you're going to come to class one or two days a week. Um, but then the rest of the week, that student is under the care and management of their families. Um, and so, you know, we're going to communicate expectations and we're going to try to help your, your student be successful. Um, and we're going to help you as a family be successful um, but it really, the, the success of that student is going to depend upon a close partnership. And so, the, by coming to Memorial Academy, you are a, you are not excused as as a homeschooling family from needing to manage that. Um, you know, it, but 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 what we can do is come alongside a, a, a homeschooling family, and we can partner with them um, to help them make homeschooling a reality. I mean, I think there are a lot of families who are really committed to homeschooling in the early years, but then as their student gets a little older, they still value the flexibility. They still value the ability to inculcate into, into the life and, 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 uh, um, thinking of their children, uh, a certain ethos, but they're just having trouble with the academic side of it. And that's where Memorial Academy can be a great help, uh, to these, uh, these families. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that time. That's the two sides of the coin. And did you want me to do another one on the Greek session or? Uh, yeah, go tell us about what you're going to talk about with Greek. I'm going to do like a whole day on Greek grammar. Wow. So it's actually half day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they keep taking and taking, you know, uh, they identify the things you love and then they just keep taking. Yeah. Uh, no. So I'm going to do a half uh uh, half a day on Greek grammar, and uh, we're just going to go through first form Greek. We're going to get a little bit into the grammar, but then I really want to just make sure that everyone attends knows how they can be successful, um, and so give them good tools on uh, how to th- how to think about organizing that time when you're uh, teaching your student Greek. A lot of this is going to overlap with how we do Latin, but I do think there's some Greek specific um, help that um, that I'd like to try to help these families who are committed to Greek. A sort of understand and see. Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Sure. Um, you're a homeschooling dad. Yes. If you had to choose between Mitchell and John's session, which one would you attend? Oh boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to, just do it. Well, Tom, so say I'll it. say this. So uh, I saw and why I saw John's uh, session on the schedule, and I thought I have to talk my wife into going to that. Oh wow. Um, because I think it would be really helpful for her to, hey, when she's doing Famous Men of Rome, when she's doing Famous Men of Greece, my daughter just finished Famous Men of Greece this year. Um, she'll just have a better idea, even if it's just a little bit better. Um, not anything on you, John, more on her. And it, it would it would all be very new to her. Yeah. Um, but just have a better idea of some background knowledge of, of a lot of these things, I, I think would be great. Uh, and I think that she would be really interested in it. Um, and then, uh, but on the other hand, <clears throat> I taught for Mitchell for two years before I came on full time. And, um, I can, you know, everything I said about math, um, he's right when he says, if, um, if you're feeling like maybe you can't, you don't have what it, you don't have what, what's necessary to help your student be successful in math. Um, the Memorial Academy option is, is an excellent one. Uh, I taught algebra one and two 
for two years and uh, I had most of my students were highly successful and they were the students whose families were involved and, um, and, and understood the partnership aspect and, uh, and, and, the, and whose students were diligent and did the work that I assigned. Um, so uh, with all that said, I, I think that where my children are right You're now. You're going to go to the Greek session. Um, I personally would love to come to the Greek session. <laughs> uh, no, I think, I think that John's session is more likely for, for my wife, um, uh, because my, my kids just aren't at the point yet where I think Memorial Academy is, is, uh, is at play. Cause they're, they're, my, my oldest is just breaking into seventh grade here in the, in the fall. That's fair. That's fair. Thought maybe I could stir up some contention. <laughs> Let's end with this. There was, way too there was no conflict because yeah. he he made the right choice right away. Uh, <laughs> Let's end this way. I want to give you each a two, 20 second opportunity to pitch why everyone should come to your session. Shane, we were just talking before the show about how I my try at this was a disaster. I don't know. You now it's perfect. <laughs> Mitch, we'll start with you. 20 seconds. Uh, let me just say that m my session is not for everyone. Um, if you would be helped to learn more about how the online Academy, Mori Academy can, can partner with your family, we'd love to see you there. And if you'd like to learn more about Greek, which I know is not going to be everyone, but hopefully there are a few, uh, a few people out there that are trying to incorporate that in, then we'd love to have you there too. John, he was doing the uh, exclusivity angle, right? Yeah, the, uh, it's it's right. just a uh, just just us, not everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> Reverse um, psychology works every time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my talk is for everyone. Uh, the whole idea here is taking a challenging and forbidding topic and rendering it into terms that are not just easier but are sensible and sensible, especially with respect to the books they'll be reading. Not just can I, you know, can I answer a question about this, but can I recognize, you know, just the way that Plato talks about things, right? Can I recognize the way that uh, Thomas Aquinas talks about things? And that's a great way to think about the world. And I will show you that vocabulary, that language. Tom? Uh, so um, I would say that both of my sessions are for everyone. The The Wednesday session on algebra is going to be more um, relevant for people who have students either um, coming into algebra in the fall or um, in the, in the next couple of years, because we're going to be previewing products that we have coming, coming down the line soon. Um, and I would say come to uh, my Monday afternoon session. If um, you know, if, if doing math at home for you is, is kind of something no one looks forward to, uh, I hope to uh, to help you develop uh, over time a love for math and uh, you and your students um, to for it to become a time um, that's enriching and uh, and not fun, but uh, enjoyable rather than um, something that everyone hates. And I think that um, no matter if you're in the arithmetic stage or you're you've got a junior in high school, I think there's things that uh, that I that I can give you that will be helpful. Great. Well, I hope to see you all there this summer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Classical Etc. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you liked this episode, consider leaving us a positive review and sharing it with a friend. A huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for hosting our show. Be sure to check out all the great podcasts there. As always, I'm Shane Saxon. 
Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit us at memoriapress.com. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.